full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. I'm organizing my uh, my stack of stories for this week, topics to discuss, and I'm, I'm realizing there were some things that we uh, we didn't get to last time. We're going to get to them this week. I mean, we've got all it's a potpourri this week. We've got Star Wars Resistance stuff we want to talk about. Uh, we have some Episode Nine news. We've got. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I'm going to cover some of that. And I've been reading comic books lately. I know, I know. Hard to, hard to imagine. And we'll talk about that and uh, uh, so, so much more. Oh, yeah, Bob Iger letting it slip in an interview. Uh, but does a CEO of a company like Disney, does they, they ever really let it slip? I don't know. It seems like when the CEO talks, well, that's news. That is, there's no slip. You know, he outranks all the people in the in the public relations office so it must be uh it must be all according to plan and something else that is according to plan always very strategic is rebel force radio here this week's show for friday january 18th 2019 and we're so glad to be with you glad that you could be with us and uh this is the year of star wars episode nine it's the year of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. It's the year of Disney Plus, which will include a return of the Clone Wars, uh, limited as far as we know, plus the Mandalorian. I think we, I think in the stack here, we might even have some Mandalorian news. So much to talk about. And uh, of course, I can't do it alone. How could I even begin to do it alone? I've got a good friend with me. He's my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, you know, as soon as Bob Iger says it, Yeah, that's it. That's news. It's happening. Remember Bob's predecessor when it came to Star Wars, GL himself, George Lucas, he was notorious. He was the notorious GL. He was notorious for breaking news in the most casual of fashions. What? Was it supposed to say that? (laughs) Or he'd be like, I guess I shouldn't be saying this because they want to do some big whoop-de-doo. But Mark... Harrison, Carrie, they're all coming back. All of them. <laughs> Press release my ass. <laughs> but, I mean, that's how it is when you are the top dog. How do you possibly leak? You are the leak. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. the source. No. People are going to know because I want them to know because right. I am the top chief. That's right. I, I do remember that one celebration. We got to see if we could dig up that clip. 
He's do- this was the main event with him and uh, John Stewart. Celebration six, right? So was that C six? Uh, Celebration that- five, oh, that was, five right. was the main event. Yeah, the main yeah. event, twenty ten, and uh, it's getting towards the end of the the, the interview, and he's like, what? "What? What? What are we promoting? Is there anything that you now what think I- of?" Now we're pitching. Is there anything? What? what? No. The the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, the Blu-ray. And this was the first time we'd heard about Blu-ray. And, uh, oh, yeah, the Blu-ray. Oh, well, actually, second time. Oh, well, there was that. There was a little leakage on the old Rebel Force radio show. Matt Wood let it slip that they had done a sound mix for the right. Blu-ray. Yeah, that's right. Oh, slow down. Now tell us about this little Blu-ray <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> that's when the uh, dog collars started going off around Matt's neck, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, but it was the first time that there had been any major public announcement of it or, or anything resembling an announcement confirmation, you might say. And, uh, yeah, George was just like, yeah, what, what, what? Like there were cue cards down there. He's Bob Hope all of a sudden. What does that say? Blu-ray? Oh, yeah, the Blu-ray. Get the Blu-ray out of here. <laughs> Listen, it was hard enough for me to get through this whole Stu John thing, okay? That wasn't my idea to begin with, stupid McCallum. <laughs> we can, we now, can blame I, I don't know. Let's do that since I he's not around I don't know if anymore. Rick... We can do that. I'm sure it was George... Uh-huh. Who came up with Stu John? Okay, Stu John. Well, oh, I remember uh, Stewart's uh, reaction was priceless. He's like, "Well, don't just make it up now. Like, 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 tell me what it was. <laughs> there, ha- there has to be a uh, in, in that, that you know in that moment. It's like we, we could all relate because it's like, no, we want this to. We want to think as fans that this was all premeditated. You know that that's on those lined pages of yellow uh, legal pad paper. You know, Obi Wan's home planet." Uh, but uh, the reality is, a lot of times, George was just throwing darts, I think, at the board. So we know pretty much where everybody's from, except for Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan? Yeah, where's he from? What's his home planet? Uh, you know... <laughs> don't, don't make it up. Don't you... Don't just, don't just throw something out there. That was a... You gotta, you gotta say where he's actually I, from. I wouldn't do that. This is something right. that was one of the first things that I wrote in the very first script. Really? Yeah. And, uh... He comes from the planet Stujan. Do you think he just made it up on the fly? Yeah. Oh, gee, I don't know. Do you think? Stujan, yeah, right. I came up with it on the golf cart ride over to the stage. <laughs> Do you, re- you know, like, <laughs> remember when we knew that GL had, had entered the, the campus there at, this, at Celebration because of all the big black SUVs? Do you remember the big fleet yeah, of black yeah. SUVs? It was like the president of the United States had shown up. No, I do see, you know, big time Chicago politicians when they travel around, they get that caravan of intimidating black SUVs with the windows all tinted mm. out and stuff. That's when you know someone important is in the building. If you see those SUVs. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, why? Gosh, it's, it's George Lucas. He's a filmmaker, you know. But then, you know. Others, I think Jim, you might have been used, like reminded me, well, he's worth like, you know, three and a half billion dollars. So, you know, mm. and, and there's 60,000 Star Wars fans in that building that he just walked into. Right. Right. Although I would you think know, that- it, it always takes me back to that robot chicken bit. No. <gasps> you're George Lucas. Uh, I take it you're here for the Star Wars convention. I sure am. Want to see my costume? Uh, hmm. 
See, I'm a Tauntaun. <laughs> but I don't have to tell you, you invented Tauntauns. Well, that's, uh, that's serious. Listen to my Tauntaun call. Uh, nicely done. Be my Tauntaun. Yeah, Classic. I'll be your Tauntaun. Yeah. Actually, you know, it, um, a couple of things. Uh, I like to sometimes throw these out because I think when you experience uh, Star Wars uh, in the real world, you know what I mean? The real world, like around the water cooler at the day job, people you might run into when you're taking the kids for their swim lessons or whatever. And um, so I had a, a someone at the day job come up to me who I, I don't know real well, but my reputation does tend to follow me as being the Star Wars guy, right? You're the Star Wars guy in your universe. I'm the Star Wars guy in my universe. And girl comes up to me and she's like, hey, Jason, you'd appreciate this. My, my, my new boyfriend, he builds, um, you know, the robots, the Star Wars robots. What do you mean he builds the robot? He's like in a club where they all get together. And instead of working on cars, they're building, you know, like R2. R2 like she has no idea. She's 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 mm-hmm. she's young, um, not a big Star Wars fan, obviously. But it turns out I sort of draw it out of her, and I'm like, "Oh, is he a part of the R two Builders Club?" She's like, "That's it, the R two Builders Club," and he's a member of the five hundred first. And I said, "I said, well, how is he doing on his R two? And she's like, "Oh, it's it's done. Like he just like you know controls him. He's going around the house and stuff." I'm like, "You lock that boy down." You lock that boy down. <laughs> you have a droid. You have a droid in your house. I mean, come on. It's the perfect what ring bearer for the wedding, right? The R2 coming out yeah. with a little arm and a little, you know, little pillow on the arm. How adorable is that? Got to yeah, have that. I wish those R2s were around when I got married. <laughs> they weren't. So there was. The, they really weren't. I mean, you know, I mean, that few and far between when I got married. Well, I, that was 20 something years still, ago. I, I, you know, I still say R2D2 in the can't say in the flesh i guess in the steel is uh is like santa claus like you you turn into a little kid you can't be you can when there's a when there's a real r2 unit running around you can't help but feel you know like a like an eight-year-old again and you know you want to go up and give him an r2 hug and all that so that was kind of cool and then the other thing was uh two friends independently and these are not like you know, died in the wool, crazy Star Wars fans reached out to me independently, one uh, through a private message and then one at, at, at the day job saying, hey, I, you know, I went back and I I watched that solo movie again. I don't know if it's I don't think it's on TV yet, but or maybe it's on demand. It, it oh, is, is it showing up it on debuted TV? on Netflix last ah, week. So that explains it. OK, so solo yes. is now on Netflix. And they went on to say, gosh, that movie was so good. I love that movie. Do you think there will be a sequel? And, of course, then, you know, I go, I wish, you know, um, and there there could be. Hold on a second. I mean, it could see some sort of, you know, resurrection if it takes off on Netflix. I mean, just look what Netflix did for the Clone Wars. That's a great point. That was Star Wars. A lot of people didn't want to give a chance. And then when it showed up for free on their iPhone, they started looking at it. They said, well, wait, wait. Wait a second. This needs to have. I need to take a closer look at this. I think the same thing will happen with Solo. I hope so. I really hope so because uh, that is a. And we've said this before, not to keep repeating ourselves, but we do have, by the way, 
um, hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of new listeners joining us each and every week. New listeners that haven't been listening, like a lot of you uh, to us for the last uh, 12, 13 years now. Um, But we have said that that movie is aging quite well. I feel that it's aging really well. And uh, so you're right, Jim. The longer that it, 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 it is out there percolating and is available to people who are already Netflix subscribers or Amazon Prime subscribers or wherever else you can get this, I'm assuming it's probably since it's Disney, it's an exclusive uh, to Netflix at this point. But uh, the more it's out there and the more eyeballs that see it, and let's also, you know, we've covered this before, and I, and I had to correct a, a friend of mine at work. She goes, I can't believe it flopped. And, and I said, well, yes, relative to other Star Wars films, of course, you could consider it a flop. It was still in the top five of 2018 films. I think it was the fifth, maybe the third or the fifth highest grossing top film. F- top five. I think it was top five. It was in the five. Solo, no, it wasn't. I don't think it broke the top ten. Oh, yes, it did. Box office mojo yeah. never lets me down. Oh, yeah, so it was definitely in the top the, ten. Uh, I want to say it was top five. The numbers here. I'm, I'm, I have numbers. Top grossing films um, of that's 2018. That's interesting. Well, I, I hope so. I, I mean, I hope you're right. Don't get me wrong. But let's just punch in 2018 because that was last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Top grossing films of 2018. The, the, top, the, the biggest is going to be Black Panther, I believe. Um, yes, you are right. The number one was Black Panther. Mm-hmm. All right. It made the top 10 happen. All right. It is number 10. I was wrong. I thought it was in the top Ooh. five, but it did hit the top 10. It as number 10. Uh, Last time I looked, it was 12. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I, I guess the, the ink is dry. It should be dry on 2018 at this point. But I can't believe the Grinch outgrossed that. I, 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 I talked to some people that saw that and didn't really love that too much. The new Grinch. Yeah, that did very well for itself, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did well. It's it's uh, number seven. Um, so if we're looking at just these are films that were released between January first, twenty eighteen, and December thirty first, twenty eighteen. So it's a top ten film. It was riddled with production problems, but you put it on Netflix, it gets a bunch of fresh eyeballs looking at it. Netflix is impressed by the numbers so much. Everybody's buzzing about Solo. And there could be new opportunities created with the Disney Plus streaming service where you could reunite. I mean, how hard can it be to get uh, Chewbacca and Alden and the Game of Thrones girl (laughs) And even Woody from Cheers. You could get them all back together again. Woody's dead. Or is he? Maybe he was like, you know, he had a wad of cash there, and that took the blast. Well, I think maybe you recommended, or you you, you mentioned this, and we've gone back and forth and said, wouldn't it be great if the the, uh, Mandalorian TV series was actually just season one of an anthology, and and you could do a, a whole season of episodic television in our installments following up the solo film. Now, that would be cool. That's the way to do it. Lucasfilm has already shown a desire to do anthology-type stories. If you remember, the original title for Rogue One was Rogue One, a Star Wars anthology or something like that. It was a Star Wars... Wait, 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 wait. Or maybe it was like was Star Wars Anthology Rogue One or something what like was, that. Yeah, that's a good point. They did, they did market it 
right out of the gate when they first started to get the word out about this movie. They referred to it as Star Wars Anthology. Then that changed to a Star Wars story to make it sound more like a, what, like a Harlequin romance or something. <laughs> I mean, I never liked that, a Star Wars story. I, I grew accustomed to it, but um, I was surprised they brought it back for Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, what was that original subtitle of the spinoff films? It was... Because it did change to a Star Wars story, but there was something Look for the else. teaser. Was there a poster they handed out at Star Wars Celebration or something? Or they showed that teaser. And I believe you'll see the logo there. It says Star Wars Anthology. And it doesn't say a Star well, Wars Well, wait a minute. Story. I, wait, here we go. It. I'm seeing, this is according to uh, Wikipedia, that it is the first installment in the Star Wars Anthology series. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anthology films, blah, 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 blah. All right. But yeah, um, this is the standalone films are subtitled a star Wars story, but there was another title, another subtitle of those. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, at the time it just says star Wars rogue one anthology. Mm. Oh, on the, okay. On that original piece of artwork. Yes, uh-huh. and this is Lucasfilm generated. Yeah. You know, this came from their marketing. So you can you can understand that even though plans for feature anthology films, like you know, I'm looking at some of these headlines, Star Wars quote anthology films put on hold. You can see that even though the feature films have been put on hold per Bob Iger, that that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be moved over to the the streaming platform. So that is that's a that's a good possibility. I'm holding out hope. Mm. I, I think that that is, as I've said before, I think that really is the future of, of Star Wars storytelling is. Well, I think, you know, it gives you more time and space to explore the characters, explore the situations. It gives you a solid beginning, middle and end. And I think it comes under far less scrutiny than a major motion picture release typically does. Give it time to grow. There's no time for Star Wars films to grow, especially after The Last Jedi. We're, you know, we're coming across the finish line here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are rumors out there that this is the final Star Wars film. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is I, I find to be absurd because I do believe the Benioff Weiss produced film will be the next thing to come out. But I think there will be downtime. While they establish Star Wars streaming, yep. while they milk Star Wars Galaxy Edge for every ounce of money that they can. I mean, those are going to be the top priorities with Star Wars, not movies following Episode Nine for a little mm-hmm. while, I think. A little while, not too long. Well, I don't, mean, don't, don't forget that Ron Howard, who uh, is friends with George Lucas he's got a great relationship uh, as far as we as far as we know with uh, with Lucasfilm um, so if any George told them to hire Ron yeah. remember yeah, yeah he admitted that but after the sort of the solo uh, you know disappointing um, box office of solo which really wasn't disappointing until I believe that second or third weekend when it started to look a little bit grim. The first weekend was the, all the signs were pretty positive. 
Um, but when the rumors started swirling about, you know, this is the end of the Star Wars anthology films, uh, Ron Howard went on record uh, with TMZ of all outlets and said, I don't think it's entirely accurate. I think that was reported, but I don't think that's what I understand. Everybody at Lucasfilm and Disney really cares about the fans. I think it's an ongoing process of discovering what it can be and what it can all add up to. It's a process. And personally, I like that they take some chances, take some risks and see how people respond to it. So, you know, maybe Ron Howard is privy to some information that, well, while it, it, it may be not the destiny of these films or these stories to be told, on the the big screen, but maybe the, and can you really even say that anymore about big screen versus, you know, little screen and all that screen size just doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's just, yeah, but budgets do but budgets and the big budgets go toward major motion picture releases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I've heard that the uh, Lord of the Rings TV series that is uh, underway under, under pre-production for Amazon prime, the budget on that um, is 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 crazy. The well, let me see. What did I find out about that? The uh, what was that? The the budget because we've got a story coming up about the uh, the show that sits on the shelf, George's live action TV series, and uh, Pablo Hidalgo has been uh, on Twitter making a few statements about that. Some interesting things about what might have been recycled, reused from that abandoned TV series. But this is according to um, The Hollywood Reporter that the Amazon exclusive series, Lord of the Rings series, is expected to have a $1 billion budget. It will be the most expensive series in history. Billion dollars. Billion dollars. Well, I mean, how many episodes are we talking about here? Well, you know, it it, it doesn't get into that. Um, it doesn't specifically say. So I, I hear where you're where you're going on that because the question is now up until that point, the Crown, which is uh, the Netflix series about the uh, the current monarchy, um, has uh, had a budget of a hundred million. So I don't know, man. I mean. It, Yes, the biggest money is being spent on feature films, but a billion-dollar budget on a TV series, that's, that's pretty significant. That's real significant. So uh, we'll see. I, you know, it's interesting. Here we see uh, Star Wars and, and Lord of the Rings kind of uh, perhaps facing off together a little bit like they did there in the 90s when Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings series was coming out and we had the Star Wars prequels in production and... Um, you know, 11 Oscars. Uh, I believe that was the final haul for uh, the uh, the return of the king. But um, I, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Will Lord of the Rings now there's no it says that um, while it was confirmed last year, we they don't have actually a premiere date for this yet. So they're still working on it. Um, but interesting that perhaps maybe Lord of the Rings will kind of force the Star Wars TV series, you know, kind of up its game. I have to say that there were a lot of people when the Lord of the Rings films were coming out. Uh, and I believe that the, that first film that was it, the fellowship, right? That first mm-hmm, one right. I, that came out right after uh, or about two years after 
episode one leading into episode two. And we knew that episode one was going to feature a very young Anakin Skywalker and that that was going to uh, lead into this. uh, At the time, I think we were thinking perhaps a uh, love triangle. We knew that there was going to be some sort of romantic involvement clearly between Anakin and the, the mother of of the twins and maybe Obi-Wan was going to feature in that. And you saw all of these, um, you saw how they could take a fantasy film like Lord of the Rings and fill it full of these really deep and dramatic performances. And I think a lot of people's expectations of episodes two and three were kind of set by what Peter Jackson was doing with Lord of the Rings. I was one of them. I was one of those that said, Oh, wow. You know, um, if they could just do a Star Wars movie that had this kind of depth and drama. And then I had to remind myself that, okay, that's great for Lord of the Rings. That is not what Star Wars is or ever has been. It has a completely different tone, a completely different tempo. But there were a lot of comparisons, Jim, of the of the of the two film series as they were coming out. I totally know what you're saying, and I think a lot of people reacted to Fellowship of the Ring in such a way like that they were almost thinking, oh my God, this is such a breath of fresh air compared to the slapstick antics of Jar Jar Binks and Ah, all that wackiness that was going on in The Phantom Menace. This has more of an edge. It's darker. And so, sure, I remember some of my friends saying, George Lucas should have taken the approach Peter Jackson took with Star Wars. But you're right. There are fundamental differences between the two mythologies. And I think The Lord of the Rings finds itself in a much more comfortable area with that dark edginess to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all there in the source material to begin with by Tolkien. And you're dealing with a civilization that is being uh, suffocated under this darkness uh, that these wizards are uh, (laughs) unleashing upon Mm -hmm. them. And so it's the whole thing is a struggle. And it's about a guy struggling with, you know, trying to bring out his full potential and everything. And, 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 and complete a task, and you're rooting for him the whole way through. Yeah, I think you could you could safely say, and I'm no believe me, I know that there you could get a doctorate in uh, Tolkien, and I'm not anywhere near that level of expertise. But I always come back to the fact that Star Wars is a fairy tale. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is George Lucas's equivalent to Once Upon a Time, whereas Lord of the Rings was. A, a heavier, uh, almost like a uh, Greek mythology or, uh, you know, something much, much, you said, you said darker. It is definitely a, a darker story. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I like how you compare it to Greek mythology um, because Star Wars almost is more like a folk yeah, tale. right. As opposed to, um, you know, there are obviously huge mythological elements to Star Wars that take it up a notch, but um, not like not like Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, Greek mythology. Really interesting how you put it out there that way. And I, you know, I'm sure that you know Tolkien was that was very much on his mind. Um, I'm certainly no professor on J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't even know what the J.R. and R. <laughs> even stand for. 
So, you know, but I mean, just just from being a, a fan of uh, this sort of uh, fantasy and these sagas, uh, th- there's a lot that remind me of Star Wars in Lord of the Rings. You know, I, I take, there, the, you know, of course, that universal storytelling that, uh, you know, George Lucas, of course, studied Campbell and um, J.R.R. studied whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know like i said but i i'm sure like he dug deep into things like mythology as did george lucas uh things like greek mythology and uh and everything but star wars to me feels more comfortable you know space opera Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) yeah i still have never ever really been able to wrap my head around the space opera label really that had been applied to star wars tell me more about this because i think i can explain it to you space Mm -hmm. that part i get the opera part not so much what's operatic about star wars well i can tell you so uh, in in opera the storytelling is very big and very dramatic and very obvious and I think that when you call Star Wars a, a space opera, what it's saying is that it's not trying to be subtle. It's not trying to be uh, overly clever. It is out there. So when, when, when the ingenue is out there you know, delivering her most heartfelt feelings in the aria, you know, the big aria or the, or the, or the hero is, is singing his aria um, – it's it's big. It's bold. It's um, it's out there. It's larger than life, and I think that's where the the Star Wars space opera label has been uh, has come from. Which is it's unapologetic. It's melodramatic in places, and it's it's it it doesn't shy away from that. So big themes. Um, don't get bogged down in the minutia. And that's as a, as a Star Wars fan. That's for me. I've always appreciated that. Uh, if I want minutia, I'll, I'll put on some Trek. Um, whereas Star mm-hmm. Wars, I want to focus on the big things. You know, George famously said that one of the things that drove him in creating Star Wars was he wanted young people to start asking big questions again, questioning the the meaning of life and the whole. And that's where the whole hero's journey began. He started kind of wrestling with these ideas in American Graffiti about these kids that are on you know, their last night of summer before they go off to college and, and leave their old life behind. Some of them are, some of them aren't. It's, it's taking that, that, that first step that Obi-Wan mentions. Mm-hmm. So um, that's... And, the, you know, if we, hey, show at RebelForceRadio.com if you think I'm way off base. But does that make sense to you? Well, of course it does. But I always have been more attached to the mysterious elements of Star Wars. And to me, opera says something that's just right out there in the mm-hmm. open and in your face. Yeah. While I find myself being more attracted to the mystery and the mysterious elements of the story as it unfolds. So, and the spiritual, yeah. and the spiritual, you know, so, um, those are things why, why I could never necessarily attach 
the space opera label to Star Wars, but I've heard it since day one. They've been saying this about Star Wars since 1977. So it's, it's nothing new, but it was always just put out there, and I don't think anyone's ever questioned it. You know, Space Western, I feel more comfortable, especially with A New Hope. Mm. It has um, some of those elements. It reminds me also, you know, a lot of the great movies from the past, like Robin Hood, you know, the Errol Flynn version, and uh, all the great Westerns shoot out at the OK Corral. I'm thankful that we're having this conversation because nobody's ever really sort of laid it out there in obvious terms like you just did. Uh, at least in any conversations I've had. Well, I think if you go back and you you look at the films that and we've talked about this, and you can't talk about Star Wars without, um, you know, think putting it in the context of juxtaposing it with the other films that were coming out popular at the time. You know, from The Godfather then to the you know the real gritty uh, uh, kind of. Uh, Pre, uh, what was Watergate, 76? Seven, no, 70, it was... 73. 72, 73. Okay. 72, yeah. I mean, that post-Watergate era um, where everything got real gritty. Yeah, Nixon resigned in 73. That's right. But where everything got real gritty. And um, I think about what was the film with Dennis Hopper and Jack. And the Easy Rider was one that was real popular right before Star Wars came out. And those performances oh, yeah. were real subtle. And the method actor. Taxi driver, Dirty Harry. Right. So many, I mean, just, and, and also the disaster flicks were real big, too. Mm. Towering Inferno, Airports, uh, Earthquake. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you name it. You name it. It, it was real, uh, you know, downer stuff going on. So Star Wars had a, and, a, a happy ending. I mean, a really triumphant ending. And I mean, complete with fanfare and... Uh, and also, it was so obvious in its delineation between the good guys and the bad guys, and it was this breath of fresh air. So I think that's also sort of that, that obvious nature of it, the fact that it didn't hide from that. It didn't try to cloak itself in ambiguity and uh, faux complexity. It just was out there and larger than life, and it was what it was, and... Uh, well, it certainly is that. Yes. So uh, the label uh, does work. For sure. It's just me, Billy D. Um, we've been talking uh, for the past few weeks. Jimmy Mack has been so hard at work, which he always is, but so hard at work combing through the last decade plus of uh, archives and materials of uh, just great, you know, things that happened on the shows over the years and, and, and classic bits and one of the things that, of course, has been a hallmark of our podcast over the years is the Billy D quote of the week. And, Jim, you recently started uh, going back and pulling out these Billy D quotes of the week and putting them on the YouTube channel where they're available now uh, for anybody who wants to go back and listen to them. Yeah, and I'm thankful that I'm not in this one alone. I've been given a lot of encouragement and actual help in gathering up all of these bits from loyal RFR listener Rob Strecker, who is also a proud member of the RFR Patreon community. And uh, he's like, hey, let's just get these Billy D quotes and gather them all up so they're in one place, hmm. so they're easy for me to find. And I was like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Let's run with it. And uh, overwhelmed by the amount of times we've... <laughs> done that segment over the years i mean overwhelmed uh, uh 
thank you, Billy D, for having such a prolific career. Because you certainly have given us many opportunities to find quality quotes within your work. And, uh, yeah, a massive catalog. And at 81 years old, he still is ticking along. And uh, he's going to be an up nine. And uh, I'm looking forward to the return of the quote of the week when Billy D is on the talk show circuit promoting Star Wars Episode Nine, and on the red carpet and everywhere else he's going to be. So um, we hope continued good health to Billy D. He's uh, always been a fixture of my fandom since 1980 and one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. And it's because of what Billy D brings to the character. So if you feel the same way about the coolest cat in the Star Wars universe, visit our YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube.com slash Rebel Force Radio, I think. Um, easy enough to find if you just do a search of Rebel Force Radio. And uh, you will find that we have our first five quotes of the week there in a playlist ready for you to hit play. And they're good ones, too. He's seen from Fanboys, some Robot Chicken, some Legit Lando, Mm -hmm. bloopers. Did we put the bloopers in? Um, I can't remember. We have a lot to choose from. Trust me. A ton of stuff. And, of course, everyone's favorite, the uh, Star Wars slot machine outtakes. That's that's one of my favorites. I, and then the, the stuff that he did on the uh, the soap opera, the the spinoff of uh, General Hospital, Night, Night Shift. Shift. He played Toussaint Dubois, <laughs> who was the overnight very mysterious uh, custodian. Uh, very mysterious. custodian. Because he may have been an angel of some sort, perhaps. I think he did sort of fade away in that last episode, and they looked up, and you know he was yeah. gone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, illustrious background as a jazz musician and, uh, and, you know, just philosopher of great acclaim. And there he is working a night shift at general hospital, mopping the floors, might I add, disposing wisdom. Yes. So we'll have to dig up some of those. Uh, those are from the Pete Nadal days of the podcast. So you'll be hearing a different voice other than mine on some of those earlier ones. But we'll be sprinkling out uh, some great Billy D quote of the week segments hosted by Jason and Pete. And then uh, from 2000, whatever on, <laughs> it's me and Jason. Yeah. All of them were gathered by me, though. I'm the one who sat there and suffered through some of these well, I remember back in. with the, the, the DVR, man. You would have the, the, the Billy D search term set in the DVR, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, what are you doing? You're like, I don't know. I'm watching this old movie with Billy yeah. D that I've never heard of before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I watched them all, folks. <laughs> I watched them all. I, I ordered his hard-to-find, out-of-print record albums on eBay. I hunted down every panel that he was appearing at in any convention in any city and got the audio from it. Uh, everything. I got audio of him doing hip-hop. I got audio of him schmoozing the ladies. What was the tune he did uh, on the, at the Ewok Village? He was, like, holding church. Remember there was a... Viral right. video that, was, that, they, that um, went out. The Ewoks. Let me tell you about the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was a funnier die video uh, from about ten years ago yeah. with Billy D. That's a classic. Of course, that'll be up there. Uh, yeah, the Ewok Gospel featuring Billy D. Williams. Oh, and then the bits he did on uh, was it Jimmy Kimmel? 
or where he was. Oh, we got one of those up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. When uh, Billy D was uh, talking about a guy from uh, the Indiana government body, well-known guy named Harry Balls. <laughs> It's all, all right. there. It, it's there. So I'm going to be, you know, throwing up a, a few a week probably. I want them, you know, I want the, the full catalog to be available by the time we're seeing Billy D at the end of the year in episode nine. Yeah. So maybe he'll, you know, somebody can tell him about it on the red carpet and say, hey, you know, if you ever want to hear some cool things you say. Oh, it's like a this is your career, Billy this D. This is your career thing. Take it, Billy D. After Princess Leia crashed the speeder bike, who had our sister's back? And who was it that led the Allies to the bunker back door for their sneak attack? And at the end of Act Two, when all was looking bad, who set those captured rebels free? Can somebody remind me who throws the hottest treetop parties in the galaxy? You know he's talking about the Ewoks. Have a nice day, son. I gotta, I gotta interrupt because this is big news. I was just about to lead with the story where Bob Iger let it slip uh, in an, in an interview uh, about the opening of Star Wars Land. Uh, as we we said at the top of the show, he was uh, doing an interview with uh, Baron's author Jack Huff, and I thought, well, it's a shame we don't actually have. Bob Iger himself saying this, but if I know this area code, and I think I do, I think Bob just left us a voicemail. So we haven't had a chance to screen this in advance. I think this is him. His assistant did say that he was going to be leaving us a voicemail, but I just haven't had time to check. Yeah. Yet. All right. Let's let's uh, let, let's play this. I think this is I think this is him. Here, let's let's listen in. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jimmy. It's the Iger man. Best wishes to you and everybody in the RFR community for a happy and prosperous 2019. Some projects I'd like to tell you about. We're constructing a Disney cruise ship to look like Jabba's sail barge called Hut of the Seas, where fans could drink and see people walk the gangplank and drink and take in a massive buffet and drink. You get the idea. We constructed a new exhibit in the park, uh, the Octu Mirror Cave, which really freaked me out when I took a look. Am I the chosen one? What does it all mean? Seriously. I wish someone would explain it to me. I'd give them their own trilogy if they do a good job. I've had trouble sleeping since I entered the cave. Nothing seems to help. Usually opening an entire sealed box of vintage Trilogo Yak Face figures does the trick. But after three cases, nothing. I might need to call an old standby. There's no deeper sleep to be had when you're curled up in Peter Mayhew's lap. That's it for now. Love the show. Love you guys. I think it would be great if uh, I wore one of those kicking Rebel Force Radio t-shirts during the next shareholders meeting. Hint, hint, hint. I take an extra large. Regards for now. Take care. Bob. Oh. Well, that, that, that you know, you, this is why you listen to Rebel Force Radio, because only here do you get those kind of exclusive Scoops direct from the source, CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, calling on the Rebel Force Radio hotline. I mean, he's a very busy guy. And, uh, you know, going from meeting to meeting, the fact that he's able to... I'm guessing he was probably on the can when he left that voicemail. That's about the only time that he has the disposable minutes 
to leave us. Well, yeah, or when he's curled up in Peter Mayhew's lap. <laughs> Somebody should tell Peter that he's he's in there. Yeah, you know? yeah Peter doesn't know. <laughs> I sense something. Um, I do want to <laughs> congratulate Mr. Iger, too, for receiving um, a big raise for 2019. His uh, salary has gone up to uh, $65.6 million. So, uh, you know. Um, From what? Yeah. Do you know what it, what it was before? I only have the last couple of years. In 2016, he made $44 million. In 2017, oh, he took a hit here. Oh. He only made $36 million. Yeah, that was a rough year, I'm sure. Yeah, a lot of cutbacks had to be made at the Iger yeah, house. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's mac and cheese again. <laughs> yes, that's what you're having. Mac and, and cheese. And you'll like it. Uh, okay. Okay. So, but uh-huh. yeah, so that's a, that's a big race. So yeah, no, 80%. Um, it says to $65.6 million. Jeez. Also in the news, Disney has hiked the prices of the tickets to uh, you just even go inside the park and stand in line. You stand in line. You pay $100 something, mm-hmm. you know, per family member. Yep. You go in, and then you stand in line. And then you have to pay outrageous prices for food. Of course, the kids want well, everything that spins around and lights here's up. Here's the details. And- so the, the one-day adult peak ticket price went from 135 to 149 So that went up 14 bucks. And the, the price of the one-day regular ticket, which blocks out certain dates, went from 117 to 129 And the price of the one-day value ticket, which blocks out even more dates, went from 97 to 104 Now, the most affordable yet limited-use annual select pass, this is the annual pass, increased from 369 to 399 while the most elite, this is the... This is, Really, this is the creme de la creme of uh, Disney uh, annual pass holders. It went from, uh, this is the premier pass, went from uh, $1,579 to $1,949. So about a $400 increase on that. Mm. Um, but, there, but they say, this is Liz Jager, the, Disney, the Disneyland Resort spokesperson, says that we continue to provide our guests with a variety of of ticket offerings to meet their needs while helping us to spread visitation, better manage demand, and deliver a great experience. Uh, even the parking was not immune to this. It went from 20 to $25 per day. So, uh, But this is the first time that they've raised their prices since, uh, yeah, since last year. So they, <laughs> they went up in February of 2018, and here we are in January 2019, uh, l- less than a year. And and they went up. And I understand. Look, uh, I work in live entertainment. I understand you got to raise the price. There, are, the look. Your costs are all going up. You know, to do business, your cost of doing business is going up. So therefore, the cost you're going to pass that a portion of that down to your customer. You, that's just the nature of the beast. You got to do it. Um, but uh, I guess you would have to be a. Uh, a native there, a local to to have the annual pass. You know, I don't. Well, yeah. What are you gonna do? Fly in for the weekend? Well, if you're able to do How that, many weekends a year are you gonna do well, that? If you're, look, if you're able to fly in and out, you know, three or four or five, six, eight weekends in the summer, um, you're. 
if you're able to do that, you're not going to mind the four hundred dollar hike to that premiere. I bet George is a, a member. Well, no, he's a legend now. Remember, George became a Disney legend, which means... So what kind of perks? Well, do you remember uh, the story? Is Because uh, there, there is a whole list of perks. And our old buddy, Kevin Lyle, uh, he was at the event when George officially became a Disney legend. And I think Kevin was sitting at the table with another Disney legend, Dick Van Dyke. And one of the big perks is that you don't have to wait in line for the rides. This is true. You, uh, like George ever had. Well, this to. Is, I don't know. I mean, we saw him uh, running around Disney, and there was a full complement of, of. Uh, it wasn't like Elvis. You know, George isn't going in and buying the place out for the day. He's going in there when the when the fans are there. Um, I don't know if he's waiting in line, but now as a Disney legend, he's got the card. You think they're asking him for that card? Who? Which one of those of, of those Disney cast members are standing there asking him to see the, the see the card so that he can go to the head of the line for the uh, for the ride? And can he bring family members with? Is Melody able to come with him, or does she have to wait in the back? Or the kids? I don't know. You know, the, I think there's a story from the prequel era when they were shooting in Australia, and George didn't have his security badge with him at the studio, and they denied him entrance. <laughs> This is on the on the on the set when they were filming out in Australia, right? Yes, yes, yes. They they were filming there in Sydney, and I think George showed up. And, oh, I forgot my badge, but I you know, you know the beard. You got the beard. You the plaid, and like you ain't going anywhere. And it, no, no, it would be like Crocodile Dundee standing there at security. Out, you standing right here. You're not going anywhere, <laughs> punk. Yeah, I, I am. That's George not Lucas. a knife. I'm, George. I'm, I'm Lucas. I'm, I'm George. Let me in. This is a knife. Okay, I'm gonna hold it right to your throat. <laughs> That'd be great. I got an idea for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got. Um, so there you go. You've got Bob Iger. He's calling in. Um, and big plans. We, we, we'll, we've got this coming up here in just a few minutes. We might as well get to it. We've got news headlines coming right now. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. It's going to be Crocodile Dundee meets Howard the Duck. <laughs> All, right, let's, All CGI. Let's kick things off. With a little news about The Mandalorian, since we last talked about The Mandalorian, there has been uh, a few things that have leaked out. I would say that uh, they've done a great job of keeping things fairly hush-hush on this. But one big deal is that uh, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte rumored to be, I don't think this is, there's been a confirmation uh, from official sources. Yes, oh, this has. is official. Yes. This is, we're talking about it, it has been officially stuff. announced. No, it's a fish. A fish. It's like a fish. It was in, uh, yes, yes. It was there was a, a, a press release and uh, announcing the oh, entire. You're right, Variety dot com. Here it is. Uh, this is right before the holiday. Um, oh come on, Variety and your ads, the worst. Yeah. Okay. So here it is. Uh, this is dated back in uh, end of November. Nick Nolte has been officially signed. Now the rumor department. It, well. I heard a weird rumor about Nick Nolte's involvement. 
Yeah, I, I heard that it's voice only. Did you hear the same thing? That would make sense um, when you reveal what the full rumor is. Well, I don't think I don't have the full rumor here. Now, Disney did not comment on the casting of Nolte. They've yet to comment. Now, Variety back at the end of November said that they confirmed this with their sources. So this is as as confirmed at is as it's going to get right now. So, well, but you've got Variety and look, they've got their sources and they know these things. Um, but as far as an official statement, either from uh, uh, John Favreau or any of the the folks uh, creative team behind the film they've not said anything Disney hasn't said anything Lucasfilm hasn't said anything the rumor um, is he's going to be voicing his character is going to be an Ugnot oh come on and when I heard this rumor I said well how could that be he's Nick Nolte are they going to shrink him down like they did with those hobbits but no, I well, mean, that would make sense. That it's, him, going, he is, it's going to be voice only. That makes sense. Well, I tell you what, though. I'm looking at this picture of Nick Nolte. And look, we're all going to get there someday. Are you but saying he has Ugnot-like features? I am saying he has Ugnot-like features, yes. And you know what? If they were really going to cast a tall guy to be an Ugnot, I mean, the obvious choice would be Ron Perlman. Everyone knows it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know. He, tall. He would, but he's he too tall. Beast. He's way too tall, and so yeah. is Nick Nolte. Thus, mm-hmm. he's only going to be providing the voice, and that's what the rumor is. Mm. Now, I what can if see it's stop him. motion, and it's like his face—not stop motion, but motion capture. You know, well, that could work. Mm-hmm. That could work. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, how much money are they going to be spending per episode? It's going to be a lot. I heard it was like ten million plus an episode. Not Lord of the Rings money, though. Well, we don't know how many episodes of Lords of the Ring there's going to be. No, that's true. That's true. Um, bucks. That's a lot of money. But yeah. um, so Nick Nolte, though, when I think back over his career, you know, there was nothing ever that I saw him like I didn't watch him in Lorenzo's Oil and go, man, he sure would be great in a Star Wars movie someday. Lorenzo's Oil? Yeah. I never saw that. I mean, I think Nick Nolte. You think, think 48, 48 hours? Yeah, I think 48 hours. Yep. He's, yep. You know, he's gruff, you know. I, he'd be good. He'd be, he'd be a good Ugnut, I think. He's but Prince of Tides. When we were talking about Nick Nolte the last time, I was having his brain fart because I couldn't remember wh- which movie it was where he had this flippin' toothache throughout the whole thing. And uh, I looked it up after the show, and I realized it was Affliction. And... Uh, <laughs> I pulled, wait, wait, he's he's bitching about this toothache to, for the whole movie. The whole, like the whole movie is about him bitching about a toothache, and then there's some other stuff that happens. But you don't care about that. All you care about is the toothache. <laughs> and I mean, I'll prove it to you. Listen to this this quick little clip, this audio clip I pulled that really illustrates what the movie Affliction is all about. Nick Nolte. There's my tooth. My goddamn tooth. Can't even think anymore because of it. See? <laughs> well, there's two hours of that. It's a yeah. It's nonstop. It's just uh, my the tooth. tooth. That's my goddamn tooth. I can't even think anymore because of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so naughty. I know. You know I, it's so <laughs> oh. And you just you feel it. You're watching the movie and like. Your teeth kind of start hurting a little bit. It's I think so I've convincing. Got a now. 
Such oh a great movie. God. Such a great movie. He's such a great oh. actor. I love Nick <laughs> Nolte. Just hearing that, I want to, you know, I just... Well, Ugnaughts have some funky teeth, so maybe he could channel some of that. Yeah, that would be... They have, like, tusks. Yeah, so, the tusks, yeah. right. So, so there's something there. There's something it's he my could... tusk! It's my goddamn tusk! I even think so. I can't work in this Tabana gas mine. I can't even work another day down here in this carbon freezing chamber because of my damn tooth. I'm an Ugnaught. <laughs> okay, so I gotta ask. You're Favreau, you're Filoni, you're one of these cats, and you're sitting around and you're like, well, we gotta have an Ugnaught, right? Okay, we're, <laughs> where's the love for the Ugnaught? <laughs> Okay, guys, in your dream casting, who would be the voice of the Ugnaught? Favreau, go. Uh, Nick Nolte. I was thinking the same thing. Thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> Do you ever see affliction? That's my tooth. That's my goddamn tooth. I can't even think anymore because of it. <laughs> oh god alright well so Nolte he showed up in this thing I mean that's that's worth the, you gotta watch it just for that if, if it's true <laughs> he's playing an Ugnaught um, the other thing the other story that uh, has shown up uh, what is this one this is about the, the name of the ship so uh, this is from uh, let's see uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, a number of the rumor sites are Reporting this, that the name of the ship is going to be called the Razor Crest. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It sounds cool to me. Mm-hmm. Razor mm-hmm. Crest. But I guess this has a Clone Wars connection. The Razor Crest is an old ship that was built during the Clone Wars. And uh, Star Wars, according to this article, Star Wars fans who know the history of this fictional world will remember this to be the war, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. Um. Very little has been reported about the Mandalorian ship. The report suggested that the ship will be very different from the design seen in the Star Wars universe. That's interesting. Including the ships from the planet Mandalore. So they've got a name of it, and they've got some theories about it dating back to the Clone Wars, but it doesn't really give a whole lot more, more detail than that. Razorcrest is a great name. I like That's it. That's a cool name. I like it. Kind of like Ravenclaw or whatever that Harry Potter place is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Razor Crest sounds like someplace I want to go skiing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Vacation yeah. Let's <laughs> take the lifts up to Razor Crest yeah, and get the <laughs> snowboards. Um, but it's a, it does date back, according to uh, reports, it dates back to uh, the Clone Wars era. So I don't know if they're using some expanded universe or legends material offhand i can't say that i i recognize it um the uh, from clone wars yeah, yeah it's called the razor quest crest crest is it yeah. one word or two words yeah uh it's all one word now another rumor is that it has the uh, apparently has the power to carbon freeze w- carbon freeze what well i I, I I don't know. Uh, maybe enemy ships. I'm not sure. Well, that's kind of neat. I could see that. You know, let's bring carbon freezing back. 
Yeah, well, it hasn't been back since the clone. There was an episode of Clone Wars, wasn't there? There was. Where they used carbon freeze to uh, yeah. sneak into uh, enemy territory. That's right. Yeah, that's a good episode. I think that's a season two episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, I am reviewing the Clone Wars lately. Uh-huh. And episodes of Clone Wars Declassified, uh, totally um, remastered episodes are appearing to members of the RFR Patreon community. And that's the only place you're going to be able to get those in that sort of presentation. So uh, all in nice, uh, neat one place, uh, all there at the Rebel Force Radio Patreon. People have been loving it. Revisiting Star Wars The Clone Wars. Getting primed for Clone Wars to return later this year on Disney+. Plus. So, right. I, And it's been great. It's been fun. I, I'm rediscovering some episodes that I uh, sort of put on the back burner for a while. And recognizing a lot of the brilliant things that went down in that series. I just did a Google search of Razor, Quest, Razor Crest Clone Wars, and uh, no ships, no no photos, no nothing. Uh, Razor Class Starfighter is showing up on Wikipedia. Uh, I don't know if that's the same ship. And then there. Well, <clears throat> okay. So after a little bit more digging, there's nothing in the established canon mm-hmm. that connects this ship to the Clone Wars, other than the rumor itself states that the ship that the Mandalorian flies is a Clone Wars era craft. And it's called the Razor Crest. So if we're putting this uh, post, um, this is, uh, I'm losing track here. What, it, what do we do in timeline-wise with Mandalorian? It's between episode six and seven. Three years after Jedi. Three years after Jedi, this is, uh, if, and if this does, this ship does date back to Clone Wars, we're talking about, what, 20, 30-year-old ship? Oh. Right? Yeah. 40. Yeah. Well, 40-year-old ship, maybe. Probably. Probably. It's an older, be. it's an old one. It's an old, it's a classic. Um, Let's just say so, Clone Wars happened 25 years prior to uh, the Mandalorian series. Yeah. That seems about right. Yeah, that word, that, that that makes sense to me. Um, so anyway, there you go. Uh, the Mandalorian, Nick Nolte, joining the cast, according to uh, Hollywood Reporter, or Variety, rather. Come on, one he more time. One more time with the Nolte. There's my tooth. That's my goddamn tooth. <laughs> I can't even think anymore because of it. Now picture that coming out of an Ugnot. <laughs> That's my tooth! That's my goddamn tooth! Even though we heard from uh, Disney CEO himself, uh, Bob Iger, we do want to go back and revisit that story. It was uh, Baron Senior Editor Jack Huff, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, He was uh, interviewing Bob Iger, and in the course of that interview, um, Bob kind of let it leak, and as we say, if it's Bob... And he's the CEO of Disney. Is it really a leak? But he did sort of um, let the cat out of the bag that June is the, uh, re- the, the grand opening. The Star Wars land, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will open in Anaheim in June and in Florida later in the year. 
Now, my sources are saying that the Florida operation is uh, a little behind schedule um, and that the real big whoop-de-doo, as George would call it, surrounding uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will happen in Anaheim and it will happen in June. So what I'm hearing is what Bob Iger echoes what Bob Iger is saying. And Jim, that's not to say that Orlando won't be getting some sort of uh, opening hoopla, but nothing like apparently what's going to be happening in Anaheim this summer. I can't believe it's already coming up in just a few months. Right. And there's been a ton of progress done. Um, I mean, it's incredible. It went from a few piles of dirt to actually a real happening thing. I mean, it is almost like pinch yourself. You've always dreamed about a Star Wars amusement park, theme park, and now it's going to be happening. And mm-hmm. uh, some of the early imagery and uh, descriptions of the rides, the two big showcase rides there, the Millennium Falcon ride and the Rise of the Resistance ride. The details, I mean, I just can't wait. I, I You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, when I saw that uh, moment uh, in the film, it made me, I cried. A lot of people are saying they cry at Star Wars. I've never really cried at Star Wars. I remember one time when I was younger, I got choked up looking at the Force Ghosts. <laughs> Think, yeah, you know, and I was like in my mid twenties, and I was thinking back to my youth and stuff, and um, the uh, Heir to the Empire books were out, and maybe I just finished reading that trilogy, and so I said, "Well, I have to go watch the films again," and I yeah. watched them, and just the, with the Force Ghost there, I, I really felt, and then they show the shot of the main characters sitting there, and uh, you really feel like I, I, these guys are friends of mine for crying out loud. So I got a little choked up at that moment. Um, But I think when I walk into this environment and see everything Star Wars happening around me, especially on this Rise of the Resistance ride, that seems like it's going to be very immersive with life-size AT-ATs things <laughs> shooting at you. I think right. I'll probably just really bust out and start crying. Heck, I even got a little emotional over last summer when I visited Disneyland with the family and we went into that California adventure theme park they have there. And I've never Mm -hmm. set foot in that place before. And we're walking along and all of a sudden you're in the Cars movie. I mean, you are in it. You know your way around. You're like, I know that. I Oh, my God. I mean, and it's there. I got a little overwhelmed by that moment. Radiator Springs. I was there. Really? Oh, my God. Talk about immersive. When I walked into that, I couldn't believe what a good job they did with it. I felt like I knew my way around because I saw that movie so many times with my kids when they were little. I couldn't okay. believe it. Couldn't believe it. The Simpsons area at Universal in L.A., <clears throat> similar vibe, kind of. Um, you know, it was just like, oh, my God, there's that. Oh, my God, there's that. And uh, so when you get in these fully immersive environments, I know a lot of people who are huge Harry Potter fans just go nuts at that Universal Uh. Park with the Harry Potter. I walked through it. It was it didn't strike me like that Um, because, you know, I'm I'm 
very moderate in my Harry Potter fandom. So, but I know there's a whole generation of kids who grew up with that stuff, and it means so much to them. Almost, yeah. Like, it's their it's their Star. It's Wars, their too. Star Wars, right. legitimately, mm-hmm. legitimately. I can't say that I have ever uh, really shed a tear over over Star Wars. I think maybe the closest that I came was when Han Solo met his end. Yeah, you know, the, the uh in 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 episode 7. That, that that choked me up a little I bit. I don't know if it like the I mean, I felt something. I it was more like I felt a punch to the gut. It's like I felt like I mm. took the saber with Han. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yes. I that, uh, that that makes sense. From Nick Nolte's tooth to Harrison Ford's heartburn. <laughs> I, I'm getting all the feels at the theater apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, getting back to uh, Galaxy's Edge. So um, the folks over at the Mickey blog, they've got a, a very nice breakdown about this because they know that if you are hearing rumors that Star Wars Land is set to open in June and rumors from the CEO himself, I mean, now, now that that's on record, uh, you certainly don't want to be the one to uh, not deliver, right? Not bring it in on time. So I would guess that they're going to be doing everything they can to make good on Bob Iger's proclamation of June. Uh, the Mickey blog, uh, through process of elimination, looking at previous uh, park openings or attraction openings, they're saying that most likely, uh, if they were to put a wager on it, they would say, that the most likely date is June 22nd, this is a Saturday, or June 29th. But they caution, say, if you've booked a trip for one of those dates, only to be disappointed that (laughs) Star Wars Land isn't open yet, I would feel terrible. We're not out to ruin anyone's vacation. So, you know, disclaimer here. But June 2019, Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim. Now, Anaheim has, uh, they have more land to develop than in Orlando. They've got the, the, so there's going to be things that are going to be similar between Anaheim and Orlando in terms of the uh, um, Galaxy's Edge, but I believe that Anaheim's the only one that's going to have that hotel, Jim, that has the whole. You talk about immersive. You go and you stay in this hotel, and the whole time you're there, uh, you're in the world of Star Wars. I know. I have mixed feelings about that. It's like how much is too much. Might want to just get back to your room, you know, and chill out after walking around that park all day. And you, you know, you get back to your room, and there's like droids in there, and it's like, God, I just, you know, I just want to get a beer or something. You go to the bar, and it's like, you know, oogla bloogla bloogla, like I'm crying out loud. <laughs> too much? Are you saying that there is too much Star Wars? No, no, we will stay in that hotel. I don't know what the waiting list is going to be like, but from what I what I've been able to gather. Is that it's going to be two thousand bucks per guest, two nights stay, and so that way you know you don't have people camping out in there for months on end. You know, <laughs> I'll never uh, leave. Oh yeah, right. you know, <laughs> some like rich weirdos up there, never coming out of the apartment. It's like what's going on up in there? Now that, <laughs> that room, you know, he comes out. He's all like his skin's all green and he's not wearing makeup. It's like what? What's that? What? That's too immersive. Too immersive. It's but no, too listen, much. I will take the challenge. If anyone can overdose on Star Wars, it's me. 
And I definitely think we will be staying in that hotel. Uh, I would like to get in there early on, just like everyone else. I don't know when they're going to start taking reservations or you know booking guests and everything, but I'd like to get in there soon before everything gets videoed and YouTubed and spoiled. And I'd like to have some yeah, freshness yeah. to the experience. So you wonder how they're going to stay on top of that. How how much evolving will this hotel experience go through? I mean, if you stay in there one year and then go back three years later, is it going to be a totally different scene or? Uh, different characters is it going to evolve with the films and other mediums in the property like the streaming show and and all that uh yeah we'll have to wait and see but uh i think it's well, we be knew, something you know <laughs> pretty amazing no matter what for sure i mean we knew from the very beginning when rumors first started uh s- circulating about the star wars land that's the um uh, that's not the official title. The official title is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But when we first heard it, started hearing about this Star Wars land, um, I remember having discussions about it. It was before we even saw The Force Awakens. And those initial reports was, look, if you're hoping to go to Star Wars land and take a trip to Jabba's Palace or uh, saddle up to the bar at uh, Moss Eisley or Moss Espa, you're going to be disappointed because they're really their focus is on the current and the future of Star Wars. So a lot of what we're going to be seeing, I I believe, and we've known this from the beginning, is going to um, be drawn from the sequel trilogy. Uh, I think you're right when you look at something like The Mandalorian and some of these uh, projects that are going to figure into the Disney Plus service. That's where they're going to be doing the, the, the real cross-promotion. Now, that's not to say that the, the Millennium Falcon ride and uh, the restaurants that they're planning there aren't going to have elements of some of that classic uh, Star Wars vibe. But if you're looking for direct lifts out of the sequel trilogy or the prequel trilogy into the real world of Galaxy's Edge, that's that's not that's not the plan, and that right. was never the plan. Yeah, you're not paying any visits to Jabba's Palace. I mean, that's right. not going to happen, unfortunately, but it's going to be its own unique thing, and it's going to feel 100% Star Wars. I'm quite sure of that. What I would like to see is mixing in some of those Lucas-era aliens, which we so mm. desperately need in the Disney era of Star Wars. Bring back the classic alien species. We want Walrus Man, Snaggletooth, Greedos. We want uh, crap. Give me an Amana Man. I, you know, can you imagine taking your picture with a Amana Man? I can. I can. Um, but uh, so this guy uh, Huff, uh, senior editor over at Barron's. So he actually, in addition to interviewing Bob Iger, it, 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 as part of that, he actually got to um, see. And experience the the work in progress there. Right. And uh, he was on the Stuart Varney show, which is on the Fox Business Channel. And I think we've got a clip here of uh, Jack talking to Stuart Varney about what he saw there. I used to be jealous of the rich kid on our street who had the Millennium Falcon when I was a kid, the toy. But I stood in the Millennium Falcon at uh, at Disneyland. (laughs) I got to tell you... my family, we go to Disney parks, uh, you know, each year. So I'm pretty familiar with what out there, what's there. This is something really new and different. This is an impressive place. First of all, it's a 14-acre expansion in the California park and another one in the Florida park. So it's a big physical expansion of land 
more capacity. But in terms of the, uh, the interaction, I think this is going to be something unlike people have seen. You're talking about a place where, let's say, you go in there and you pilot the Millennium Falcon as mm -hmm. part of your ride. You're going to see the real-time effects of what you do. If you hit that spire while you're taking off, you're going to see it. Then you go across the way to the cantina, you order yourself a drink. The person over there might bring up, hey, the boss isn't happy about how you brought the ship back. <laughs> for people who ah. want to opt into that kind of experience, they can do it. If you don't want to opt in, you don't have to. But for these people who are like super fans oh, who want to be in it. the Star Wars world for a day, this is a place where they can do it. Mm. Oh, so you're going to get harassed based on how you played the video game, for God's sake? Yeah, it must you're be. you get some... harassed at the restaurant? I, I imagine it's something like that magic band that they have at the you're parks. Right. You'll, you'll get something like that. Um, they'll, they'll probably be something that they'll require everyone to have when they enter into the parks. You know, um, That might be something new that's on the horizon. I'm sure that the... Uh, the Disney journalists would know all about that. Um, I don't, but or, or something. You're going to have to give them maybe a card, like a. Yeah. They'll give you a little card or something. Something's going to happen, or or a chip that they put in your skull. Yeah, that's probably something. what's going to happen. That you know conditions you to only uh, only purchase uh, Disney and uh, uh, Walt Disney owned properties and <laughs> consumer goods. And uh, watch Disney ABC. Is good. Disney e is good. ESPN, um, ABC, <laughs> Lucasfilm, Marvel, Pixar. What's wrong with him? Oh, he just went uh, to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are worse ways to go. And I'm certainly looking forward to it. I, uh, you know, with... The, look, I mean, here's the, here's the deal. We've got a lot of people that are going to be spending... Um, a chunk of change and a chunk of their time, their precious vacation time in April, converging there onto Chicago, only to find out potentially in Chicago in April that the official launch date, the opening day of Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim is going to be June 29th. So I would imagine that that's going to, you know, a number of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do two of these types of vacations in one year. Um, so some people might, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars Celebration is already sold out, so we know that. So there's no turning back. But I think there might be some people, Jim, uh, that were surprised that might have thought they had a little more time between, you know, the the uh, Star Wars Celebration and moving and going to Chicago versus uh, heading out to California. Well, you know, time, you're always up against the clock. And uh, I have a confession here. I ran out of time and did not purchase Star Wars Celebration tickets for my two boys. And I wanted to take them on Sunday. So if anyone listening to the show is selling two general admission tickets for Star Wars Celebration Chicago, Sunday only, let me know. Show at RebelForceRadio.com. <laughs> I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Yeah. It happened during Christmas. I was like, oh, Sunday sold out. Why didn't I get a warning about this? Wait, why didn't I just buy the damn tickets? What's the matter with you, you idiot? But I didn't. So I, I dropped the ball on that one. And don't tell the boys that that happened either because, you know. Yeah, no. I still got time. I still got time. All of a sudden, I feel like this is I'm going to be involved in some sort of Ralph Cramden scheme to get these kids tickets for the event. <laughs> so before that happens, before I end up selling my soul, uh, maybe uh, a listener is looking to move a couple of Sunday tickets. So please let me know. Show at rebelforceradio.com.
All right. This is Star Wars Resistance Declassified. So let's talk a little bit about Resistance. Uh, there was a trailer for the uh, second half of the season that was uh, announced or, or was released, rather. Yeah. And um, I got really excited when I saw the trailer, Jim, and so I jumped right into because I, I fell off about after a season or, uh, excuse me, episode four. I think maybe I watched part of episode five of season one. It just, it just didn't, it just didn't scratch the itch for me. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and look, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I demand a very adult uh, storytelling. And I, you know, I look, I still watch the old Super Friends cartoons. I wouldn't call that very uh, adult uh, per se, but. There is a an, an element of when Star Wars is being told through a, a real modern kind of in-your-face contemporary style, it just doesn't work for me. Uh, and I love the fact that there are fans of it. I've watched a couple episodes with my kids. They don't bug me about it and say, oh, put on Star Wars, put on Star Wars Resistance. If they say put on Star Wars, they mean one of the movies, honestly. Um, but, I, you know, we hear at Rebel Force Radio, we hear uh, from uh, parents all the time that their kids are into it. My kids seemed interested in it. It didn't really stick. As I say, they weren't hounding me to see more. Oh, I got to find out what happens to Kaz. Um, but I, I have to say, well, let, let's talk about the trailer. Um, there are a number of things that um, jump out, jumped out at me. Um, one is the fact that we see General Hux in it. And I don't know if we actually have a clip of Hux. Yeah, let's go through the clips. All right. And then uh, see what they reveal. And then uh, we'll uh, analyze that. All right. All right. Here we go. Looks like there was a system here, but there's no star. Those planetoids. What could have done that? Aha. Uh-huh. So here you've got uh, Poe Dameron and Kaz. They're uh, cruising around in their, in their ships, their fighters, and they're seeing the remnants of what, what, what is a, a dried up or a series of dried up stars that clearly have been uh, used in the creation of Starkiller Base. Yes. Or perhaps some prototypes there. And so. there's asteroids, too, so... It appears that no, I, t- I I use a cream for that. <laughs> I, oh, oh, oh asteroids! Yeah, asteroids. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, asteroids. Be, be careful! Uh, you don't grab that when you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, um, Kaz and Poe on some sort of recon mission, and they see you know missing star from a star system, asteroids. So they're obviously seeing some effects of early star killer base testing maybe uh, mm-hmm. it seems kind of off the charts but you're starting to see now the show is beginning to weave its way into the events of the force awakens and i think this next clip may illustrate that they could be preparing for war that's why they want this station Republic. 
So we get to see uh, Domino Gleason's very subtle and uh, idiosyncratic <laughs> performance as General Hux. There's your no, soap it's, opera it's, right there, pal. There, or or your, right. your uh, space opera, I should say. Uh, totally. Oh, solo mio. <laughs> same, same kind of thing. Well, but but so so we're going to see Hux. But what's most interesting about this? More interesting the fact that um, Hux is another you know film character showing up in this in the in the series is that we are now seeing what we thought we might see with Clone Wars once upon a time, what we had hoped we would see with uh, some sort of Star Wars television series, which is an overlapping of the events of the series with one of the films so that you're privy to see the fallout of what's going on in the films, you know, from another point of view. And that's really a cool and intriguing idea. What was that? uh, That play that Shakespeare did, Rosencrantz and Gilderson are dead, which was um, a retelling of of (laughs) Hamlet. Hamlet. It was Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just from a different perspective. Right. Um, The Star Wars equivalent of Tag and Bink are dead. Remember that Dark Horse comic where you were seeing guys who were way down the totem pole and, and looking at the events of the Star Wars films through their perspective. And so now here you kind of get that with Resistance. What they're doing is they're looking at a holographic projection of that speech. So apparently that was blasted out on ESPN or whatever across the galaxy. <laughs> and everyone, you know, watch talks. And, and, and they're taking direct dialogue tracks from the film, which seems to be something kind of new and uh, kind of the the, the, uh, the the modus operandi of the day for some Star mm. Wars animation. If you look at that YouTube series they have that also pulls audio directly from the film and they gets animated into an, a, you know, a different, a different medium. So that that's it. I wonder how far the envelope is going to be pushed mm. in that direction. Could we eventually see an entire retelling of the Star Wars original trilogy using vocal tracks from all the actors from the original films? Uh, They have access to all those tracks. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all been digitized. They're known as stems, and they can be uh, inserted into mixes of anything, movies, TV, video games, you name it. And uh, animation is starting to use the vocal talents of the film actors, and, and and so yeah, like I said, how far are they going to push the envelope with that? Uh, we've seen it now; two examples of that happening for the Star Wars franchise in the last month, last month alone. So tying in now directly with the Force Awakens and the events of that, so we know we're going to get to at least that moment of the film when Star Star Killer Base gets exposed. And used against the Hossian Prime system, which will have direct ramifications on everyone in the galaxy, even the uh, you know the the gang hanging out on the Colossus platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also well, let's get the, we got one more clip here from the from the trailer here. Kasuda, if you can leave Castellan, join us. Keep your head down until things cool off. Damn. First Order has a way of making people disappear. Mm. So that, that first voice that you heard is uh, the actress playing uh, Princess Leia, General Leia. 
in uh, the sequel trilogy era and uh, does a real nice job of uh, voice doubling there of uh, of an aged Carrie Fisher. Again, coming across the hologram. Yes, right. So the the voice does go through a bit of processing just to present it that way where it's a lot of high end and uh, it's really compressed. But yeah, she sounded good. And so she's recruiting Kaz now to the resistance, you know, right. fully. She's saying, you know, come join us. So they need pilots uh, probably as they're developing their attack on Starkiller Base. That's probably why she's reaching out to him. So you see, and then some of the images of Kaz um, reveal more of an edge to the character. He doesn't seem so hapless. He doesn't seem so cartoony. He seemed to have more of a a resolve, um, a mature vibe to him, uh, which is way different than what we've seen of him in any episodes of resistance up to this point. Like I said, yeah. hapless hapless is how I like to describe Kaz. So I'd like to see him go through some character growth. Uh, a lot of people saw this trailer and they got very excited by him. I did. The trailer does present um, again. I'm going to say it more of an edge to resistance than we've experienced through the first half of the season. And I think a lot of people got excited about that. Unfortunately, their first episode out of the gate for the second half of season one, Bebo debuted this past week, and it was a chore to sit through that episode, and I was expecting so much more. I want more depth out of this show. There's been a recent interview with the supervising director, executive producer, who said that Resistance is going to appeal to an older audience that they're not discarding the older audience. They want to have elements of the quality of Star Wars that appeals to an older audience presence in Resistance. I have to say, up to this point, I haven't seen it quite yet. And I was so disappointed with that Bebo episode. Yeah, I was watching it too. I watched it today because I wanted to bone up on things. And after having seen the trailer, I thought, okay, I'm going to give this another another try. As we talked about in our episode or our, uh, last week with, uh, with Chris Mocked, one of my New Year's resolutions as a Star Wars fan is to continue and be even more dogged in my pursuit of the Star Wars and the championing of the Star Wars that I love and not focusing on the Star Wars that I'm not so uh, crazy about. So I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Resistance another shot because that trailer really did intrigue me. And, um, you know, we get sort of the stinky, the hut episode uh, equivalent of uh, Resistance with, with Bebo, you know, another kind of... Monster story, we've seen it before. Zillow Beast, done much more interestingly, but kind of um, doesn't really have much in terms of uh, long-term ramifications. Now, along the way, you're picking up some things. We see now that uh, we've got confirmation that the, the one character, her name escapes me, is a, is a spy. Sonara San. It seems like she's a little conflicted. It seems like she legitimately um, has some feelings, perhaps, for Kaz. I don't know if they're romantic or... Mm. Um, you know, Kaz and um, what I gleaned from this episode is that Kaz and Poe uh, rescued her off of uh, off of a ship. 
Kaz doesn't know that she knows that he was one of the ones that rescued her. This was revealed in the episode. So there are these little droplets of a of a of a longer or larger arc. A little bit outside, yeah, but not in Bebo. much in Bebo. Uh, yeah, and in Bebo, yeah, Bebo was super lightweight. And, and that yeah. uh, that character Niku or whatever his name is, yeah, he started getting on the old nerves a little bit. Oh now, man, he makes he makes he makes Jar Jar Binks look like John Wayne. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if you thought Jar Jar was uh, man, wow, yeah. yeah, he just doesn't shut up. Yeah, yeah, like at all. Like Jar Jar is like Jack Bauer compared to him. <laughs> he is. He absolutely But I'll tell you what, um, not condemning the series on a whole, because the previous episode, Station Theta Black, it was the 11th episode, highly recommended, probably the best episode of the series. So, you know, I mean, it's not like this is uncharted territory for us as Star Wars fans. We rode the roller coaster with Clone Wars. They would have some stellar episodes followed up by... An occasional turd here and there. And Bebo was one hell of a big turd for Star Wars <laughs> Resistance to lay on us. Especially after Station Theta Black was so good. And then that trailer was stellar and really got hopes high. So yeah. we'll see, though. There's still many more episodes to come. And there was some great news this week as the Star Wars Resistance three and three quarter inch action figures finally hit the pegs are you, wait 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 are you are, are you buying these hell yeah i'm buying them they're great really? looking figures great yeah, looking they, figures they, yeah they i mean they're definitely very true to the designs of the characters in the series and i am a big fan of kind of alternate looks of star wars characters and and i might pick up like uh the 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 canonical characters like a like a poe like a first order trooper um Poe and BB. I, I don't know. So you, I haven't seen these anywhere. You've actually seen these in the wild. Well, they just launched this week, and I knew this for a fact because people were finding them on the pegs up to two weeks ago. Like over at the URFR, my friend Barry Harmon, he found some at one of our local targets about a week ago, took it up to the cash register, and they wouldn't sell it to him. They had a street date of one fifteen nineteen, and they were firm about that street date. But really? but they were cool at Target, and they held on to the figures for him, and he was able to go pick them up this week. Knowing this, this this street date now was burned into my brain. I said, "Well, you know what? I really like the look of that Commander Pyre." Gold yeah. First yeah. Order Stormtrooper. And the other figures look great. So I really would like to pick them up. If I, and I know they're hitting on a certain date. So I set, I set it in my calendar and uh, looked at my phone today. And I said, oh, today's the day. So I went to Target and nothing. Nothing on the pegs as usual. Oh. Nothing on the pegs. But, you know, I... I was in a real good mood today. I got a great sleep last night. And I was just like, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to roll the die on this one. And so I walked over to a guy who works at Target. And I was just like, yeah, you know anything about the Star Wars figures? That, uh, they have Star Wars figures. They have a street dated today. You know, I'm just like, I don't mm-hmm. know what's going mm-hmm. on. You know, trying to play <laughs> kind of like being like the hapless dad role, kind of. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm my kids. I'm wearing Star Wars Rebels hoodie, but I mean that might have set off, a, <laughs> you know. But still, I'm I'm just like I don't know what's going on here. And so um, he's like, well, you know, what are they? What do they look like? Are they the Black Series? And I'm like, oh no, no, not like. And he holds up the ones in the tube that are based on the little YouTube cartoons. Oh yeah, yeah. But but they're the same sculpts and paint apps as everything else. Yeah, they just have different art on those they're, tubes. Yeah they're, yeah, they're just repacks. They come with right. mini comics too, which hold collectible value. But I, I still am not going to drop down to ten bucks for those. And so I said, would it help you if I found a skew? And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm talking. This is shop talk now with the Target guy. And I tell you what, this guy was the nicest guy in the. I mean, he really was interested in helping me find these action figures, and and he seemed like just so. He was so cool, one of the nicest Target employees I ever met. I've had great luck at this Target too. It's the Target where I won the giant Porg on Force Friday. A year and a half ago, or whatever it was. Oh. So, you know, remember the that giant thing is giant. Oh yeah, I've seen it uh, in the uh, in the studio, yeah. the, the Chicago studios. It is uh, it's absolutely enormous. It a lot but of normally, space, you know, I don't generally have good luck with the store employees when I'm on a toy hunt. I had terrible luck always. They, they look at me and they're like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want to help you because they think you're, you're going to scalp them on eBay or something. And Yeah, right. But I, you know, I was doing the hapless dad. Okay. It started paying off. So I start punching on my phone going, oh, I can find this, you know, because I've seen it on like Jedi Temple archives or something. I'm, so I'm punching mm-hmm. it in trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, I don't even realize this. But I hit the voice memo function on my phone, and I recorded the entire thing with the guy. I realized this after I was leaving the store. I was like, I got the whole thing here. So I sat in the car, and I listened back. I'm like, this is hilarious. So I brought some clips. All right. I got some clips. Let's, let's go on here. The, 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 the fig hunt, as we call it in my house. Uh-huh. We're on a fig hunt. This is me at Target this week in search of the Star Wars Resistance figures. And so I hit record as I'm punching in the info for the uh, thing. And you'll hear this, this clerk. He's helping me out. He's the nicest guy in the world. And sometimes with the toys, we do get things early, but then sometimes I get some things late. Hasbro. Like I had someone looking for WWE stuff that we just didn't get in. Well, these are what they, they look like, but they're not in the package. They're like the cartoonies, cartoony guys. Oh, wait, what the heck is that called? Star Resistance? Wars Resistance? Resistance. Hang on, if you can hang on to that right there. They're on white cards, on bubbles, on white cards with um, similar to that packaging. Let me see if anything comes up for you. No, that's not what I want. I don't know if they put them in cases or the packaging necessarily says all that. All right, well, I'm pulling up toys to see if anything comes up in the Star Wars Resistance. On sale today? Uh, okay, which ones were you looking for? Do you know? I don't know the names. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. They would all be I in will, the same case, I I'm sure. I will bring out whatever I can. Uh-huh. Where the heck are these things supposed to oh, be? Oh, wait. Master. I was just saying I got something. This is a. This could be um, the skew. You know what? These are these. Oh. Give me a minute. I'll see what I can bring out for you. Okay. Right on. Thank you. Oh, this is exciting. I, I'm getting. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm there. 
I'm like, oh, these are these. So he's going to go back and he's going to bring out one of those beautiful uh, cases with the, you know the 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 the, the tan and the the brown and the and the purple stripes. Those Hasbro uh, shipping cases. Well, hold on now. Mint, minty fresh. Hold on now. That, that's what I'm, I'm picturing in, in my mind. Yeah, right. Of course. That's what I'm picturing. Picture he's going to roll out a whole pallet of them, you know? Oh. And I could just, like, jump up on one of the, the, the end caps and do a belly flop right into all the action figures. <laughs> but so I'm standing there, you know, now I'm just in the toy aisle waiting for him. Hmm. But I had coffee and everything, so it's all going good. I'm listening back to that recording. I'm like, <laughs> I, I got this heavy breathing going on. That's real creepy. I do have to say, you're, you, 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 I got it. You don't sound like the hapless dad. That may be what you're going for, but you're like, they're on a white card with the bubble. and the, I mean, you're using all the I vernacular. Was you're at, a collector. I was pointing. Yeah, bubble might have exposed myself to this. <laughs> bubble. But I was I was pointing. I was using visual demonstration. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Things. So I'm there in the toy aisle, and he cruises back. And this moment here almost, it, it, I it, when I listen to the recording, it almost sounds like it's going to go into that battle droids. You know, it's going to go into that territory. Uh, like remember when Michael brought yeah. out that during Force Friday? Let's can we. Uh, can we remember that moment again? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where's that? I at? told you uh, you'd need that clip. I know, and I had it right here. Why, where did it go? Here it is. <laughs> oh, what do you got? Here comes Michael with a handful of stuff. Oh. What do you got? Did you find a Yoda? A battle droid? Come on, we can do better than this. A battle droid and a clone? That'll try to clone. Oh my god! So you're having flashbacks of this now as the guy approaches you. He approaches me. He approaches me. He has a single action figure. Oh, it's a stormtrooper. Oh no! Oh no! One. Uh, wait. How does he come out of the storeroom with a carded figure? I mean, they, they, they don't just have carded figures back there. Jason, they all got to be in cases, Jason, right? Like all good space operas. This story must unfold. Okay. <laughs> Cut two. All right, here it is. Plus, I got to do another round, but just before I do that. Oh, you got there, one. Right? <laughs> no, I got more. I just it? had to go get the keys. Is this it? That's what's coming up under my computer for me. Yeah, yeah, it says right there, as seen on. I'm going to go get yep. the rest of them, okay? Oh, great, thanks. This one's been ripped open. <laughs> <laughs> it's been ripped open. Yeah, the bubble was loose. Oh, no. I discovered this was a thing, though, with a lot of these resistance figures. They uh, even took a step of, of taping down the bottom of the bubble, but still the sides come loose. The right side of the bubble, as you're looking at the card, was loose on a majority of the figures that I finally did end up getting. But as you could hear on that recording, when he brought out the Stormtrooper, I was like, well, Stormtrooper? Come on, we can do better than this. Stormtroopers, I've been buying Stormtroopers since 1978. But I did look at it because I thought it was a first order Stormtrooper from one of the films. But then when he brought it oh. toward me, I saw it had a little resistance fi- uh, a sticker on there. So um, is, that, is that what is uh, denoting them in the packaging? Yes. As being, okay. The packaging from- is... Very similar to what we saw for Solo 
except instead of having a yellow Star Wars logo, it's just black. And the cards are very similar, uh, white, white background mm-hmm. uh, with, with pretty cool uh, little uh, drawings of the, the characters themselves on the cards. Uh, nice, well done, especially for uh, collectors who want to keep them on card. You will run into that bubble problem, I'm telling you. So that's a defect from the from the factory. I remember that happening with another Star Wars line where the the bubbles were. I think uh, Black Series. Loose. I think the that's initial right. release yes. of the Black Series had problems with the bubbles coming loose. You are absolutely right. So here's uh, let's get to the uh, the payoff. Mm-hmm. This is when uh, this guy, like I said, I didn't catch his name, but he was so freaking helpful. Uh, Target really should be proud of themselves if they're training employees to act half as cool as this guy did but uh here i am at the target once again uh my lucky target i won't say which one it is because i don't want you guys going there scoring all the cool stuff (laughs) but this is my lucky target and uh Uh here comes a clerk out from the back and he's got instead of the box the case the hasbro the cardboard box he's got them all in one of those Baskets you hold to put. Oh, the shopping, shopping basket. Yeah, a little yeah. handheld basket, oh, plastic basket. Okay, but it's the mother load. Check it out. Hey, boss. I also found a two, a couple two packs. Two packs. Holy yeah. crap! Awesome. I'm just bringing them over here because whatever you don't want, I got to put up. Sure. All right. So. All right. Whatever you want. That's all of them. See how it's got the. Oh, yeah, two pack. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't do that with the curve. They were taken out of the box. I just found oh, a shelf don't like care. that. So, the little two pack, so. Let's see. Are $14.99. Oh, okay. All right. That's no problem. Yeah, so I guess these are the little ones, mm-hmm. and these are the, the two packs. Yeah, scored the whole wave. Nice. nice. Let's see here. You got uh, Stormtrooper. You have, uh, who's this? Sonara San. She's the spy. Kaz. Toradoza. Major Bonreg. And this is the one I wanted the most right here. Ooh. It's uh, Commander Pyre. Crappy paint job, though. So I'm going to. Take a look at the other one. It comes two for case. These bubbles are all loose, loose bubbles. It's a better paint job on Bond Rig. Yeah, whatever you God. want. You all can right, use can my basket if you want here. Yeah, I, that would be great. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, all right. so please, yeah. whatever you don't want, you can just leave it there and we'll take care of it. I appreciate it. Thank Good you so you much for friend. your time. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Sorry for the wait. Thanks. No, no problem at all. What was it? Namaste? Oh. Namaste? I'm recording. I think <laughs> he did. Say, yeah, I did took, he say namaste? namaste I, I think he said, "Have a nice day." Oh, have a nice day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did, did he do he everything but offer to buy them for you? <laughs> I know. I, yeah, right? That was the next step. Yeah, use my basket. How? Use my credit card, please. I was like, you, you want to come over and we can like you know, play with them and stuff. <laughs> But yeah, I have so, them all. And there's so who's figures. all in the first? So who's all in that first wave? You got the Jaeger and the. I didn't hear you say Jaeger. Poe. Yeah, he, well, I didn't. Okay, because Jaeger and Poe are part of the two packs, and oh. I put those aside. 
and I was going through all the single ones because there okay. were doubles of those. All right, and um, and so there's yeah. no BB-8 or or uh, or um, I do have BB-8 that that comes what? with the Poe. That's a two pack. Oh. So you bought that two pack. Yeah. And then what about the other droid the, with the, with the helmet? Bucket. Bucket. Yeah. That comes with Jaeger. Oh, okay. And Jaeger has a switchable head, so you can make it look like he's wearing his flight helmet. That's the same case with Tora Doza, too. And um, with Jaeger, you can have him hold his helmet, and it looks okay. But with Tora, you can't have her hold her helmet because you can see her eyes through the visor. So it looks like she's holding, you know, a, a, a head. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. So this is the... I. I'll get corrected, I know, but th- this, to my knowledge, this is the first time that we have seen Star Wars figures that didn't have a uh, helmet, that in lieu of a helmet that fits over the figure's head, that this is a uh, uh, switchable head, not a removable head. Not true. One example I could think of right away is the Macquarie concept Boba Fett, which featured the Macquarie original design for Boba's helmet. Which we saw return in the Clone Wars at uh-huh. one point, the Bounty Hunter. It had two heads, that figure? Yeah. And then you could swap it out and have the more traditional Mandalorian T-Visor. Oh. See, that's what happens when you don't open your figures. You don't, you don't know, realize this stuff. But that is not a common uh, accessory to get with uh, three and three-quarter-inch three three Star Wars figures. Now, with more, you know, like... Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, Nekatoy's uh, Predator action figures. You know, you'll get like the because uh, you can't put the the Predator mask over top of the Predator face. I think they've done that a couple of times, but usually what you get is a swappable head. So you got the masked Predator and the unmasked Predator, and you swap those those heads in. That's not been something you've seen a lot with uh, Star Wars action figures. You don't see like a a Luke with his flight helmet on head, and then uh, one with it off head. You get a helmet that you can put take on and off, right? Right, and that is the case with the Poe Dameron action figure, removable helmet. Okay. Same thing with Sonara San, removable mm-hmm. helmet. My favorite out of all of them is the Commander Pyre, gold stormtrooper, amazing, cool looking figure. Um, you said that first one was a poor paint job, huh? Now, I did go through each one because they came in pairs in this case. And I noticed I was able to pick the uh, figures that have the better paint application. And so that's why I like to go out and actually, you know, hold the stuff in my hand as opposed to getting it online. That's easy to do, but you can get some duds. And uh, if, if you're in the, the, the position where you can actually choose, take a close look because not all two figures are the same. There are some sloppy paint applications. My problem with the Commander Pyre that I rejected, the black visor was sort of smeared all over the helmet, and it looked terrible. Uh, Oh, we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. Well, so what you're saying is if you're listening to the show right now uh, and you head out to your local Target, uh, take a look in the toy aisle. There could be some new Star Wars Resistance figures swinging from the pegs, and if you don't see them... Ask someone in a red shirt, and maybe they'll help you. Yes, they might. You know, they might uh, think uh, you're a hapless dad, like I. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was throwing down some knowledge with him. I wasn't, you know, acting ignorant about it. 
He right. asked me if I knew any of the characters' names. I was like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, right. but yeah, I kind of yeah. did feel put on the spot. Like, all right, wait a second. Let me think. Star Wars Resistance. Yeah, I wasn't going to start going through that process with him. It was early, like I said. Well, like, I mean, what if you just said, oh, well, Kaz... Uh, Jaeger, like, Poe Dameron, was he gonna? Yeah, was he gonna go back there and just look for those? Those, you know? Yeah, yeah right. run them all. I I'd need buy them all, man. Kaz, Sinaris, and <laughs> Commander Pyre, <laughs> Commander Von Reg, Jaeger. Did I say Jaeger? How you ridiculous guys like, do you sound? The guy's you know? like, are you talking about Star Wars? What the hell are you talking about? I thought, you know, you probably thought I was gonna say like Yoda, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, R two D two, icons. <laughs> You know, Star Wars Resistance has a long way to go, but it's still fun. And I think that the second half of season one will start to maybe show some teeth for this series, you know, and give us something that you know we can seek our teeth into. Purchasing the Resistance action figures has drawn me closer to the series. I'm not kidding you. That's the, uh-huh. you know, that's, that's good merchandising and good marketing when that happens. It's always been very important to have solid You feel more invested. I feel, I feel like it's, it just feels more Star Wars to me having these action figures, you know, being able to have this character Yeager and Bucket and <laughs> Commander mm-hmm. Pyre and Sanara San and all of them. I, you know, I, I think they're really well done action figures and just... Having these in my possession, adding them to my collection, draws me closer to Star Wars Resistance, even despite what a stinker of an episode Bebo was. Um, because uh, that Bebo episode was, I mean, I, I, I was like, am I enjoying this? I'm, I'm saying to myself, I've never said that before when I, I well, that's not true. There, there were moments, like I said, with the Clone Wars where it was a roller coaster ride up and down. Back in the yeah. old days with the expanded universe, there were moments where I would just like take the paperback and chuck it across the room. But Star Wars Resistance is something I do enjoy, and I like it better when it's hitting on all cylinders. There's my tooth! That's my goddamn tooth! I can't even think anymore because of it! We want to uh, we want to get to this story. Hope we can carry this over to next week. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter has been uh, letting some details slip about the uh, the demise of George Lucas's helmed live action TV show Thirteen uh, Thirteen or Star Wars Underworld. It was sort of called both things uh, as it was being uh, put together by. A pretty amazing crew of people, creatives, including uh, Battlestar Galactica's Ronald Moore. He was just one of the big writers that was assembled to uh, create the first ever Star Wars live-action TV show. Hopefully we can break all that down next week. We don't want to just breeze through that because there's some really interesting things there. Uh, Also, uh, as I said, I I have to confess, I, I was really... Excited about reading the uh, the Boba Fett comic book. Uh, this is the Age of Republic 
Django Fett number one. This is uh, part of a series of one shots. And um, in the Star Wars Age of Republic anthology series. And I really enjoyed it. But I went in there to debunk what I saw was kind of a crap headline. <laughs> Again. Jimmy Mack has got me all uh, keyed up about this. But uh, so much to talk about. Aren't we lucky to be living in the time we're living as a Star Wars fan? There's so much to digest and uh, talk about here on Rebel Force Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it always. We especially appreciate our Patreon subscribers. Uh, great way to experience Rebel Force Radio. And you'll never have to miss an episode of our bonus content if you support us over at patreon.com slash Radio. We've got... Uh, Content like uh, RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind. We've got the Q&A show and uh, all kinds of things in the pipeline to keep that uh, community full of Rebel Force Radio. Also, we appreciate the voicemails, the emails that you send to us. That email address, show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1737. You can follow us on Facebook. We're on uh, of course, we have a website, rebelforceradio.com, which is a great place to go and listen to some of the uh, archives. Uh, you can also shop a little bit, grab an RFR t-shirt or hat or mug, whatever floats your boat, whatever you need there. It supports the show. Uh, also, iTunes, that's a great place still to subscribe and review your favorite podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio. Uh, we love to have those subscriptions and those review those reviews. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming online at WGNplus.com. Uh, our YouTube channel, as we mentioned, please subscribe to that uh, and uh, give us a thumbs up. Appreciate those. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. You'll find Rebel Force Radio right there waiting for you. So we'll see you next time. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember. The Force will be with you always. Always.